Anybody, I will eat the candy bacon, though. I'm going to go ahead and do that real quick, just because why not? Bacon in it. Oh, look at this. Hallelujah. And thank God I'm in the New Testament. Amen. And if you're a little person, follow that beautiful girl walking down through there in the black dress. That's my wife. She's going to take you upstairs and do fun stuff with you and teach you about Jesus. That's good. That's really good. Amen. Wow, that's actually great. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to eat it. I think I'm going I'm to take a bite. Yeah, man, like, I think it kind of, it overcame me a little bit. I'm going to have to, we have napkins and like something to spray my face off with. Do you really have that? Can I use your scarf, Connie? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is going to be messy. I'm just going to take one bite, man. If I preach like this, will distract you? No, no. <laughs> no I'll take some help. <laughs> How am I doing? Am I doing all right? Man, that's good. Good job. It's like a maple flavor. Praise the Lord. Awesome. I mean, we should be able to have fun in church. Can't get an amen. Hallelujah. Did you just get here? Did he just get here? Get that man a bacon uh, cupcake. Dude, I mean, these things were created for you, bro. These are for the... These are for the dads. So give it to, hook that man up with a bacon cupcake. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, we are going to conclude our series today on taking the promised land of the heart. Do you have anything on my face? Am I good? Am I good? Okay, cool. And so, uh, if you guys want to turn to Joshua chapter 1. And we'll get started here. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1. And, um, you know, if you're born again and you're a child of God, how I many you know the issue of heaven is a settled issue, right? You know, you're going to heaven, right? And so we don't have to contend for that, we don't have to try to make that happen. Um, God does not save you based upon the product of your good actions or your good deeds. How many of you know God saves you because you believe in Jesus Christ? Can I get an amen? amen? And then once you're born again, you're born again. And it's a done deal. And can I get a little bit more in this mic? And it, it's, um, it's, a, it's a completed thing, right? And so you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to fret over that. And, and, what, and one of the things I love is how many of you know the thief on the cross received Jesus and got saved? Can I get an Amen. He didn't do one single good deed. He didn't do one single good act. He was in the midst of being condemned and crucified. And yet, how many know that Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise? Can I get an amen? amen? Best news in the world, right? So if you receive Jesus as Lord Savior, you're born again, and you're going to heaven. You don't have to contend for that or fight for that. But how many know at the same time that we want to get some heaven into our lives down here on earth? And so um, we want to, we, you know, because this is the only opportunity you get to overcome with God. You, you know, because once you're in heaven, there's going to be no more battles to fight, no more testimonies to have, no more giants to kill. And, and thank God for that, amen? We get to heaven, no more tears, no more sickness, no more disease, no more any of those things. God shows us how he feels about money, we walk on it. Can I get an amen? Streets of gold, right? Uh, we're way more valuable than any of those things. And so that's coming, but this is your only opportunity 
to work together with the Lord to overcome so that you have something to say at the marriage supper of the Lamb when you're sitting next to Moses or David or whoever, right? And so there is this element of joy in overcoming. There's this element of uh, joy in conquering things, and, um, and that's the right attitude to have concerning that. And, we, uh, and then how many know the devil's defeated? He's conquered, right? And so we're not trying to conquer a defeated foe. Um, the enemy can't stand against a child of God um, as a person who is a son of God, a daughter of God, as the righteousness of God. How many of you know when you speak, the enemy's got to obey? Right. And these are just facts. But <clears throat> there is an element of overcoming that's still in our lives, and there is a promised land that we want to take. Now, the promised land that we are taking, we're not going to march on Anderson County. We're not going to march on, on Scott County or Madison County or Woodford County and say, you're in our houses, you're in our lands. I mean, no, we're not looking to take a geographical location as a promised land like they were in, in, uh, back when the children of Israel were going into the promised land. And so, but we do have a promised land. So your promised land is not a geographical location. And then I used to preach that your promised land was Jesus. And Jesus is not your promised land, okay? Because how many know in the promised land there are battles to fight and giants to slay? How many know there are no battles to fight in Jesus? There are no giants to slay in Jesus, right? And so your promised land is this thing right here. It's your mind. It's your soul. Because um, there is development that can happen in the way you think, in the way that you see the world around you, in your soul, in your soul, right? That's where uh, the battles are to fight. And so many times, you know, people have taught spiritual warfare and said, you know, we're trying to pull down strongholds out of the sky and we're trying to do things like that and we're trying to fight, fight, fight. Listen, the devil would love for you to spend all your time focused on him. He would love for you to do that. Because if all your energy is being poured into warfare, you're forgetting the fact that the war is over. So you're, you're, you're not fighting uh, per se against principalities and powers and, and trying to pull down strongholds in terms of something that's external, what, what your, your primary place that you're looking to win is right here. Because if you win here, you win everywhere else. Everybody understand that? And so because, you know, the, the work is finished. Can I get that spirit, soul, and body slide, please? <clears throat> the work is finished in your spirit. When you become born again, you're the righteousness of God. You know, everybody in this room, I know you all, and you're saved. You're born again. You're right with God. Right? There's not any, like Logan was sharing, there's not anybody in this room that's more right with God than somebody else. Your rightness with God is finished, and you are born again in your spirit, and you've been made totally and completely righteous, and the Spirit of God has sealed your spirit so that sin does not have the ability to penetrate your born-again spirit. How many of you know if we had the ability to mess it up, we would? And so God made it to where we couldn't mess it up, right? But at the same time, so you're not looking to develop your spirit, but at the same time, how many of you know there is growth and there is development? I've been in this thing for 25 years, I am shining more Jesus now than when I first got saved as a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist. You see more of the character of Jesus in my life. You see more of the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, etc. All that stuff. And so there's growth. Everybody say growth. We want growth, man. We want to change. Um, because heaven's a, heaven's a done deal, but there are elements in our life that we want to grow in and we want to change to make our lives better. Can I get an Amen. And what happens is, is when truth comes to you, the purpose of truth is to confront lies that you believe and take those lies down so that you'll start believing correctly about yourself. 
For example, I used to believe I was a drug addict. After I was saved, I still believed I was a drug addict. So because I believed I was a drug addict, you know what happened? I still had temptation for drugs. But slowly, as the truth of the Word of God came, I started finding out when I got born again, I stopped being a drug addict. Regardless of my behavior, regardless of what was going on on the outside of me, I stopped being all those things. I mean, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And so now I'm a new creation in Christ in my spirit, but in my head, I have to renew my mind to these truths so that I can put on the new man in righteousness and true holiness, and the greatness of Jesus that's been placed within me can get up here and then start to change my behavior. Y'all tracking me here? Because at the end of the day, we want to not do dumb stuff, right? Because when you do dumb stuff, you get dumb results. Now, if you do dumb stuff, it does not change the way God feels about you. It does not change the way God feels about you. It does not change the way God feels about you. It does not change the way God feels about you. Amen. You are still a child of God even when you do dumb stuff. How I many know we can all say thank you, Jesus, right there, right? My daughter is my daughter whether she poops in her diaper or not. And just because she poops in her diaper, she doesn't stop being my daughter. But when she has made a mistake, how many of it's time for her to run to me so I can help her? So when you make a mistake, it's time to run to God so He can help you. You don't make a mistake and then God kicks you out of the family. It don't work like that. God's better than a good earthly father. Can it get an amen? And if I'm not going to kick my kids out when they make a mistake because I love them, how many know God loves us infinitely more than I love my kids or you love your kids or anybody that's ever loved anybody? And so what that means is when you make a mistake and you have some behavior in your life that's contrary to your new nature, you're believing a lie about yourself in that area. Like, I got set free from the drug addiction and stuff like that, but it would take me years to get set free from an addiction to pornography. It would take me years to get uh, 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 set free from, you know, anger and wrath and all of these types of things, right? But as I stayed with the fact that I'm the righteousness of God and I'm a son of God and I'm in the family of God and I keep hearing the truth... All of a sudden, I start getting freer and freer and freer and freer and freer. Pornography has no power in my life at all whatsoever under my feet, gone, dead. You know how much I love that? You know how good that feels to be free from that? And the same for drug addiction, the same for alcoholism, the same for anger. Uh, I'm still working on temperance. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Ate half a cake last night. Praise God. Passed out on the couch. True statement. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm not saying I've arrived, and you will not arrive in this life, but the more you renew your mind to truth, the better it's going to make your life. And it's not just going to make your life better, it's going to make the life of those around you better as well. And so your spirit has been totally and completely conquered by Jesus, but your soul, your mind... Your will and your emotions is in the process of being conquered. Now, the more truth comes to your soul and you embrace truth, the more freedom you're going to have in your life. Christianity is not marked by bondage and no's. It's not. This is not what this life is about. And from the outside looking in, everybody thinks, well, if I'm a Christian, I can't do this, 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 I can't do this. That's actually not the kingdom. The kingdom is yes. And your yes will set up some no's in your life. 
and will set up some boundaries in your life. Can I get an amen? But the more truth you bring in, the freer you're going to be and, and the better that your life is going to be. And as truth comes into your soul, it's going to affect your actions and your behavior and your members become members of righteousness. What does that mean? How I many know you're righteous in your spirit? But I want my hands to do righteous deeds. I want my words to, have, to do right things. Can't get an amen. Because see, God made you right in spirit so that you, be, you can become a minister of righteousness in the earth. And what that means is we go around doing the right thing all the time. And, and we become salt, we become light. Now, when we do the wrong thing, how many of you know we're still the right thing on the inside? Okay, get an amen. You're still the righteousness of God. And if you don't understand that, then it will be difficult for you to have a growth and transformation process. And that's the thing that man-made religion does not understand. They don't have the ark with them. They don't have the finished work. And so they think when they make a mistake, all of a sudden now, they're now wrong and God hates them and God's mad at them. You, you must renew your mind out of that if you're going to have any level of success and growth in the kingdom of God. You, you cannot mature and grow up if you think every one of your deeds, God's judging you for sin and God's punishing you. Now, many people have that mindset. Why do you have that mindset? Because you've been taught it your whole life. You've been taught, well, you make a mistake, God's mad at you, God's angry with you. Well, the reason that sickness came on you is because it's punishment from God. The reason that bill came is it's punishment for God. All that is garbage. It's all trash, and you're going to have to renew your mind out of it. And you have to get your mind so renewed that you stop thinking like that. And that's why you keep hearing the word of truth and hearing the gospel to get your heart established in the fact that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are right with God. And you are just as right with God as Jesus Christ is because you are in Christ. You don't have a righteousness outside of Jesus. Your righteousness is not an action or a behavior or church attendance or giving. Your righteousness is a person. Is Jesus right with God? Where are you? You're in Him, right? So that means you're righteousness of God in Christ Jesus on your good days and on your bad days. Jesus is the ark of deliverance. You follow me? How many of you know Moses, excuse me, Noah and his family were in the ark? How many know you can stumble in the ark, but you're not going to fall out of the ark? I dare say there may have been a moment when Noah and his wife got in an argument in the midst of the flood. Well, where are we going? I don't know. God didn't tell us. Why do I smell that? Because there are so many animals on the boat. Come on now. How I many you know when pressure hits? I mean, let's get real. There's probably a couple arguments up in the ark. But check it out. When they made a mistake, they didn't fall out of the ark. They fell in the ark. How I many you know you're in an ark that's greater than one made with wood? You're in an ark that is God. You are safe from all judgment. You know why you're safe from all judgment? Because you've been judged righteous. You've been judged righteous. Good news, isn't it? Now, you're not saved from repercussion of action. If you do dumb stuff, you're going to get dumb results. But check it out. It doesn't come from God. It comes from sin. Sin still kills. Can't lose sight of that. Now, the cool thing about God is He'll rescue you from your mistakes. He's done it to me over and over and over and over again. 
So just because you do dumb stuff doesn't mean that God's not going to rescue you because He is going to rescue you. But don't think that if someone preaches a message of grace in the gospel and they say there's no repercussion for your actions, they're lying to you. That's not true. If I leave this place and I peel out down the road out here on Newtown Pike and I go 100 miles an hour, I mean, Jesus loves me. I mean, I'm forgiven. I know I'm right with God. But I mean, I might get a ticket. Or something worse could happen. And my wife's sure enough going to beat me up. (laughs) So I'm not telling you there's not repercussion. But I'm saying this. This is important. Every time you make a mistake, the grace of God is greater than your mistake. Every time you fail, every time you fall, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So whatever mistake you make, God says, I'm about to overwhelm you with my rescue. Everybody understand what I'm saying here this morning? This is the power of the cross. This is success of what God has done for you. Amen? But in the midst of that, God also doesn't want us continuing to live the lifestyle of hard knocks. See, the best life for you is not multiple miraculous rescues from death. The best life, how many of wisdom is the principal thing? See, wisdom will keep you from needing a miracle. It's true. Wisdom, what, what, what is wisdom? It's just doing stuff the way God says do it. How many of we need wisdom in our finances? Wisdom in our marriage. Wisdom with our kids. Wisdom in ministry. Wisdom in friendship. Wisdom in everything. And, and, and here's, the, here's, oh gosh, I love wisdom, okay? It's like my, it's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. And anybody can have it. You don't got to have intellect. You don't have to have anything other than to ask for it and being willing to be wrong regularly. Come on, dude. Because, like, if you're always right, you don't change. And if you like what you're getting, then just keep doing it. But if you want something different in your life, then we have a relationship with truth, and we say, God, maybe the way I'm operating in my marriage is not the way you want me to. Maybe the way I'm raising my kids, maybe you want to make some changes. Maybe the way I'm eating cake every night, you might want to change that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Not excluding myself from correction. I know that's not God's perfect will for my life. I know that. I'm working on it. But what you have to understand is in the midst of the development that God has for your life, listen to me, you're still a son, you're still a daughter. And a good dad will coach you and correct you in love to get you to the place where you actually want to be. Amen. And so wisdom is awesome. And so, but wisdom, you have to be willing to be wrong. And it's difficult to be wrong regularly if you think your identity is being right. That's a real key point right there. And that's why it's hard for people to grow up without understanding the righteousness of God. If you understand the righteousness which is by faith, you have to understand you're right with God even when you're wrong. Amen. And so, like, you don't have to be under this pressurized sense of performance in order to always be right. 
No, you must, if you're going to grow, you must be able to admit you're wrong. And not just one time, but over and over again. So what's right, Jeremiah? The Scriptures. The Scriptures are what's right. And so when I go to the Word of God, and listen, you're not, and this is key, you're not trying to do all this stuff to be right with God. No, you start right with God. That's one of the key elements. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you start right with God. But the primary correction that God brings in your life is concerning who you are. He's not correcting a bunch of little tiny behaviors. He's correcting your identity. Because when you know who you are, your behavior will change. And so the gospel is always going to confront you in those places where you think you're dirty and not good enough and you've embraced a pattern of failure and thought that's who you were. The gospel says, no, that's not who you are. You're not an angry person. You're you're a child of God. You're not a fearful person. You're a child of God. You are not a drug addict. You are not an alcoholic. You are not all of these things. Everybody tracking me here. And so the truth comes to confront that. And so what we're looking to do is we're looking to take this promised land of our soul so that we can, so that we can be changed. Amen? Let's turn to Romans chapter 12 real quick. And um, I uh, just want to kind of get us all a little bit on the same page because this is actually a three-part series. We're in probably the final lesson. And I'm trying to do a little bit of review, get us all on the same page. Um, I, I love what Paul says. I don't think it grievous to say the same thing to you. I am happy to repeat myself over and over and over again. I am because you don't, you, you, renewing your mind is not knowledge. You must understand that. We're not trying to gain knowledge. We're not trying to get good at Bible trivia here. We're actually trying to reach deep down into your heart with truth and change you on the inside. And that's going to take time. And it's also going to take more than a Sunday morning service or a mini Sunday morning services. You're, if you really want this, you're going to have to pursue it on your own. You're going to have to open up the book and read it for yourself and meditate the Scriptures. Now, here's the thing. You're going to heaven because you've received Jesus, whether you do that or not. But I don't know about y'all, but I want my life to get better. I want my life to get better. You know, and, and, and one other thing real quick. And I was thinking, you know, well, well how does this pertain to the, to the mandate of sharing the gospel? How does this take? How many you know we are ministers of reconciliation and we need to evangelize the world? Can you get an amen? That's really the primary calling, one of the primary calling, if not the primary calling of church. But here's the thing. Listen, when you change and you are looking, acting, talking, and living more like Jesus, you become an effective witness. But when you are still wrapped up in like some old behavior and some old worldly stuff and stuff like that, how many know your witness isn't the same? Now, I don't say that to condemn anybody. Because you can pray for anybody at any time and God will show up. Can I get an amen? You could have just gotten in an argument. You could have just gotten and made a mistake, all these things. But when people see Jesus in your life, it has impact on them. And they're not seeing Jesus in your life based upon your dress code or the length of your hair or all that other stuff that we thought was holiness. Amen. The thing that counts is the character of Jesus. Love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness. That's what it looks like, not all this other stuff. Amen. The outside can look like whatever. But it's the inside that, that matters. Okay, get an amen. All right. So Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. 
So the transformation is the renewal of the mind. Let's say that with me. Say transformation is renewing my mind. So what we want to do here is we want to change the way we think, right? So now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and let's take a look at what real spiritual warfare looks like. Because to cast a demon out of someone is easy. That's not difficult. Jesus spoke one word and cast out 2,000 devils. Demons must obey you because you're the righteousness of God. They just don't have a choice. (laughs) But to renew strongholds out of your mind that you've lived in since you were a child, whether it be a stronghold of unworthiness and isolation and not being as good as other people or or feeling like everybody wants to reject you or a, a stronghold of poverty, a stronghold of sickness or a stronghold of drug addiction or alcoholism, all of those things, changing that in your mind, that's going to take some time. That's not something that happens overnight. Praise God. But it's available to you and the Lord will work with you and He'll help you and it's worth it. Every piece of freedom that I currently have in my life was worth the time it took to get there. Oh, gosh. I mean, big time. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, Paul speaking here by the Spirit. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. So he's saying, we don't, we're not out here slinging swords. We're not out here punching. Um, we have a different type of warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, a stronghold is a system of thought based upon lies that was built in you, either from your childhood or some experiences that you've had in your life, and it's, it, it, it's, it's a stronghold that's, you know, we, we had that Lego thing in here just kind of showing what a stronghold looks like. Just visualize a, a castle of thought in your mind that's not true. Like I used to really feel, you used to have a stronghold of feeling unworthy and not good enough. And it had a lot to do with my childhood. You know, I, I, was, uh, I was abused as a child. I was emotionally abused as a child. We grew up poor. And, and uh, man, I just didn't feel like I was as good as everybody else, Right? And even after being born again, I still felt like that. But as I began to renew my mind, because here's the thing. If God likes me, then it don't matter what anybody else thinks about me. If God says that I'm right with Him, if God says that I'm His son, I'm His child, and I really start to believe that, how many all of a sudden, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. And I'm going to tell you right now, me and Jesus tore that stronghold down. I have confidence, and it's not confidence that's born of anything of me. My confidence is born of the fact that I came from the Lord. Are y'all tracking me here? And, and um, it's worth the time it takes to tear that stronghold down. Because, um, so that's a stronghold that I operated in. I talked about the stronghold of addiction, of alcoholism. You know, alcoholism ran in my family. Had alcoholics on both sides of my family. Had drug addicts on both sides of my family. Well, one, you know, both sides of my family. Had mental illness on both sides of my family. All this stuff, right? But here's the thing. I'm a part of a new family. I'm not defined by my past. Y'all tracking me here? And so all of those thought processes were passed down to me 
through my raising and all of these things. But when I became a Christian, God conquered my spirit. Now, me and God have been working together to conquer my soul for the past 25 years. Everybody tracking me here? And I've taken some ground in my soul. I got some freedom. My thoughts aren't like they used to be. But there are other areas that I still need freedom in. And you know what? We're going to take them suckers down too. We're going to do it with the Word of God. We're going to do it with truth. Listen to me. This is really important. Never think you're too old to change. The moment you think you're too old to change, that's a death sentence on your growth. We don't age like everybody else ages. You must understand that. In the Scriptures, it all, it, how many people got their youth renewed in the Scriptures? How many people? Like Caleb. Look at Caleb. I love Caleb. Caleb's 85 years old. And he's like, I'm just as strong today as the day that the Lord was ready to send me in. And, and Caleb's surrounded by young whippersnappers. But he busts his way through everybody. He says, you know what? We're going to the promised land. I want the mountain with the giants on it. 85-year-old man. He said, I want the hardest place to conquer. Give it to me. And, and, and Joshua's like, okay, bro. And he went over there, and they kicked all them giants' butt, and they kicked them out of Hebron, and it became his house. So don't think that you're going to age the way the world ages. You don't got to age like that. You got promises. And, 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 and people don't get old until they decide to stop changing. I have people that I taught in youth, youth people. I used to youth pastor back in the day, and they're older than I am. Where they act. They walk, I mean, I try calling them out, but they're walking around like these old men, just all complaining and rah, rah, you know, and I was like, man, bro, you don't got to live like that. I mean, you can stay young. One of the ways you stay young is you stay teachable. And you stay ready to change. You stay ready to learn something new. Because the moment that you solidify your paradigm, and you think you know everything there is to know, and you've embraced certain things as being who you are. Well, I'm just an angry person. Yep, I'm just angry. Don't set me off, because I'll get angry. Okay, you're lying against the truth. Because you're a child of God, and that old man is dead. Now, you may have picked up a piece of the carcass, and you're trying to act like it's you, but it's not. Come on now. Every, every action and thought process in your life that does not look like Jesus is a lie. And, and when, you, when you realize that and you awake to that, you can cast off those grave clothes just like Lazarus did when he came out of the tomb. And you can change. An area of change that happened in my life here recently that God's been, a, a, a stronghold has been brought down is being impatient. I mean, I've been just impatient. And I'm going to tell you, and we've talked about it before, but when you're impatient, you can't enjoy anything because you're always wigged out. You cannot enjoy anything in your life. I don't want to go through my whole life not enjoying the now. And when you're impatient, you never get to enjoy the now. And you sure enough want to enjoy your kids. Because if there's anything that requires patience, it's kids. I mean, for real. 
for real, for real. I just took my nephews and nieces all fishing. And, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, bam. You want to talk about the character of Jesus Christ on the, on the, on the river, you know. Because how many know I ain't fishing? No, no, Jeremiah didn't go fishing. Jeremiah came to serve others. And so it nonstop. Undoing the line, nonstop. Don't hook each other, nonstop. Where's the worm at? Nonstop. Why is your reel in the water? Nonstop, right? And so now here's the thing. <laughs> Jesus is in me, and Jesus has called me to love on these kids. Okay? And I have an opportunity to pour into them and to love them. But if I'm not patient, then all I'll do is be mad the whole time. But if I'll tap into the, the character that I have in Jesus Christ, and I'll tap into the patience of God, I can untangle that line with joy. I can have every single moment with joy. And I can take a piece of myself and I can deposit it into these kids and give them something that they will never forget. Because I have the opportunity to do that because I'm around them. And I can serve them in love. And I can love them. I can mark them with the Father. But I can't do that if I'm not patient. If I'm not patient, it'll be all about me and all about what I'm doing. And so God has helped me tear down that stronghold. And one of the ways that I really got free from that was maintaining peace. Because, folks, if you can maintain peace, you'll actually be patient. We just had a big series on peace. Don't let go of that. Keep doing that. You know what I'm saying? Just because we're not talking about it don't mean we stop doing it. Maintain peace in your heart. And so... Um, and you know what? And so that stronghold of impatience got tore down out of my life. You know what? My life's better. I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying my family. I'm enjoying my wife. I'm enjoying getting to church. I'm enjoying everything. Because listen, you have, there are things you have power to change. There are things you don't have power to change. Like we went to um, a place called Knobles. It was like this little old school amusement park. It was a really cool place. And we're in line to get on this little boat, Right? The line has taken a really long time. Now, here's the thing. I do not have the power to change the speed of the line. I have the power to control me with patience so that I can enjoy the moment. Everybody tracking me here? And so this is just one of many strongholds that God wants to tear down, not so He can make me right, not so He can make me worthy of Him, not so He can make me any of those things, just so I can enjoy my life with His ability. Everybody tracking me here? So be willing to change. Don't embrace something as your identity that doesn't line up with who Jesus is. Amen? And so there's all different types of strongholds, you know, and I'll just read a few. You know, fear in health, fear in finances, fear of failure, fear of death, fear about your kids and family, fear of the judgment of God against your sin, anger, lust, inferiority, lying, addictions, food addictions, sex addictions, drugs addictions, entertainment addictions, depression, impatience, manipulating people with your emotions, offenses, pride, laziness. The list goes on and on and on. So there's all these different things, these different cities, these different strongholds in your mind that need to be conquered. But listen to me. All of those strongholds are an issue of identity. I no longer, 
I no longer identify as an impatient person. This is the true power of identity. I now identify as a patient person. The reason I identify as a patient person is because the patient person lives inside of me. Everybody tracking that? So it's always an issue of identity, right? It's not an issue of willpower. See, Christianity is not a self-help class where you try really hard to do good. It's not that kind of party. This is a place where Jesus rescues you and you agree with Him about what He says about you and then your life changes as a result. Amen? So now let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Hallelujah. I want to grow. I want to change. I don't want to be the same. I want to be different next year. I want to be, because every time I grow, my life gets better. Every time I grow, I shine Jesus better. Oh, it's so good. It's so good to not be nervous and to not be afraid and to not be anxious. You know one of the greatest gifts God can give you is you get to be yourself no matter whoever you're around. There's such a power in being genuine. See, anytime something can pull you out of being genuine, what pulls you out of being genuine is really fear. Okay? I, one of the things I love about the grace of God and the gospel is I get to be me everywhere I go. I am the same person standing up here as I am at my house, as I am at the gym. Everywhere I go, I'm the same person. And like, oh, I love it because it's so easy to just be myself. I don't have to try to be anything to anybody. And if I catch myself trying to get fake or ungenuine, I correct it. Because it is a heavy burden for you to try to be somebody you're not. And it's not good for you. It's actually bad for you. It's bad for your heart. Now, Jesus taught me who I was and how to be myself. And it's one of the great... And, 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 and I'll tell you what, the more, and when you really start to get a hold of that, that actually sets you free from sin. Because you don't want to sin. Not you. Now, the flesh, carnal mind... All that stuff that's not you, yeah. But you, you don't want it. And the more you get comfortable being you, the less it's attractive. Oh, this is how you win, man. It's so cool. It's so much better than self-effort. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22, it says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You're not the person you used to be. You're not the person they raised you to be. You're not that person. You're a different person and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. See, you got to put this guy on. you got to put him on. How do you put him on? How do you put on this new person? Truth. Truth. Amen. Which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Um, and then it goes on. In 1 John chapter 4, we're going to roll through a couple of scriptures and dive into some other stuff here. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17. This is your true identity. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we. Present tense. You are in Christ. Your identity is now in Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. And, and if you don't see it in Jesus, then you, you, you don't have to see it in yourself. That's your standard. Because you are the body of Christ. Amen? It's powerful, isn't it? Now, let's turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and, and let's take a look here at one of the very powerful aspects of 
your, um, of conquering the promised land. Let me stop here and say this. Listen, I mean, you know, in order for them to conquer the promised land, they had to have the ark. You ain't conquering nothing without the ark. And how many of today, our ark is the finished work of the cross. That ark represents the finished work of the cross. That's exactly that, the, the typology, the mercy seat, under the mercy seat, the, the acts of disobedience, the broken Ten Commandments, the rejection of manna, Aaron's rod that was broken, a rejection of God's leadership. Inside the ark represents all of man's disobedience, but God didn't leave the ark without a cover. The cover came, the mercy seat came, beaten out of pure gold. How I many? His name is Jesus. So when you see the ark, you're looking at the finished work. So when you're fighting, you must fight from a finished work standpoint. What does it mean to fight from a finished work standpoint? It means this, that no matter how many times you fail, no matter how many times you fall, <clears throat> no matter how many bad thoughts you have, you are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not taken away from you. Take the ark in battle. You're right with God. You're just as right with God as Jesus is because there's no other option. You're either alive or dead. You're either right with God or you're not. There's no in-betweens. Very important to understand that. Because if you don't have that reality, then in the midst of trying to grow and renew your mind, you'll get crushed under condemnation. Because the enemy will come, well, see, look at you. Jeremiah's patient, but you're not. Look at you. Look what you did. Look what you said. Look what you looked at. Look what you, look what you, look what you, look what you. Don't look at you. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Jesus is awesome. We're awesome in Him, but we're periodically not awesome at all in our own selves in terms of our conduct and our thoughts. It's a progressive thing, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Listen to me. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Not your obedience, Jesus' obedience. That's the most important element right there. That, that's the exclamation point on your warfare. You're not bringing these things into your obedience. Because the reason you have a stronghold is because you weren't obedient. The re- you know what I'm saying? The reason that you're struggling with that, the reason that you're making mistakes is because in that area you're having a hard time obeying God. You know what the right thing to do is, but you're having a hard time to do it. Welcome to the club! Everybody in here has areas where they're like that. But you take that thought that's telling you that's who you are. No, see, you're just an angry person. See, you're just a cold person. See, you're just not like this person. See you, see you. No, you take that thought and you toss that sucker on the cross to the obedience of Christ. And you say, no, that's not who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because it's Jesus' obedience that has given you a new nature. And it can't be undone. When Jesus said it was finished on the cross, it was done. What did that mean? That means the devil lost. The war is completely over. What we're going right now, these are just little skirmishes and little battles. But the act, but man, when the nail, when, ugh, ah, ooh, rah. Captivity to the obedience of Jesus. Was Jesus obedient? Did Jesus do a good job? 
So that means no matter how many times you fail, no matter how many times you fall, you are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are as right with God as Jesus is in your spirit. That's the ark that will enable you to tear the Jerichos in your mind down. But don't step to Jericho without the ark. Are you going to get your butt kicked? So as you grow, as you develop, make sure you remember that you're righteous. Amen. But don't use your righteousness as a cloak of maliciousness for your flesh. Because people can use their righteousness to say, well, I'm still the righteousness of God. I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. Does that. Are you still going to be righteous? Yeah, you are. But you might die. You might get divorced. You might lose your money. Your kids might have be impacted. You might get a ticket. Amen. So, sin's death. And new covenant don't change that. Cross don't change that. It's still death. Develop a taste for life. And lose a taste for death. Amen. And so, and then he goes on to say, so, Jesus is obedience, Right? So, take the thought... Ca- so, when you do something dumb, okay, which there's a, there's a chance you might next week. Just a chance. See, here's the thing. No one in this room is about to go through next week perfectly. Nobody. No one is going to be perfect in thought, action, and deed. Everyone in this room, I'm not trying to prophesy over everybody. I'm just being honest. You are going to make a mistake. When you make a mistake, don't look at you, look at Jesus and be grateful for the cross and thank Him that you are still righteous even though you've made a mistake. Step further, don't allow that mistake to become your identity. Because when you allow that mistake to become your identity, then it becomes a part of who you are and it's going to take you down a track of wrong decisions. No, when you make a mistake, you take it captive to the obedience of Jesus. You say, you know what? I got mad. I messed up. I'm sorry. Everybody tracking me here. And it doesn't define you. Right? It's important. It's important. Because you know what? You've got an enemy that's trying to get you to act like an idiot. And he's pushing and he's attacking and he's trying to do all those things. But what you have to understand is in the midst of all of that, you still carry... This power. His name is Jesus. And He won for you. So when you mess up, take it captive to the obedience of Christ. And then you say what God says about you. Not what someone else has said about you. Not what you've said about you. Y'all tracking me here? I mean, I had to change the way I talked. I mean, for the last 25 years, I told everybody I was a drug addict. Every day of my life, my behavior would stay the same. How I many you know God changed Abram's name? So he quit, so he changed the way he talked about himself. He said, I've made you a father of many nations. Now you say what I say about you, not what you see, not what you feel, 
Not what you know. You say what I say. So what's the fight of faith? You've got to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's important to do that after you've made a mistake. Everybody tracking me here? You've got to bust condemnation off of you. Because condemnation will drag you down into a pit and your behavior will stay the same. And rather than draw near to God, you'll grow distant from Him. See, sin will not change the way God feels about you. But sin will change the way you feel about God. It'll harden your heart towards Him. It just does. That's what happens. If you get wrapped up in worldly things and stuff like that, and all that stuff's rolling, you'll, you'll start to lose your desire for the things of the kingdom. You'll start to lose your desire for the things of God. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change who God is. But it will definitely change the way you feel about God. And that's why it's important to stay away from those things and to pursue life and not death. Amen? And so, and then it goes on. So, all right, we're not even going to do that. Now, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4, please. And so, when you know who you are, and you know that you're right with God, how many of you know that that brings a place of rest into your heart? How many of you know... If you don't think that you're right with God, you have no rest. You, 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 if you think God's mad at you, it's a long day. It's a long life. I have been a Christian thinking that God was mad at me because I heard bad teaching. And you know what? It did not set me up to have a relationship with God. It actually set me up to run like crazy from God. Because it's easier to sin against anger than it is against love. It's hard to sin against love. Ask the prodigal son. He came home and did not find an angry father. He found a loving father. And he found it pretty hard to leave after that. God's God's love and God's kindness will woo you and love you. And so there's a place of rest that comes into your heart when you know that you're right with God. And that is a part of the promised land. How many of the promised land is always referred to as rest? Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, For if Joshua had given them rest, talking about the children of Israel going into the promised land, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. How many know there's more rest than what the children of Israel just went through? Can I get an amen? How many know there's a new Joshua that has given you rest, and his name is Jesus, Yeshua? There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. How many know Jesus? has given you His easy light yoke to cause you to rest on trying to make yourself right with God through what you do. (coughs) Amen. That's the rest that He's brought. Now, why do you not have to try to make yourself right with God anymore? Why? 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 You know why? Because you're right with God as a result of a new identity. You have been born again. You are now a new creation. Your rightness with God is not the product of behavior. It's the product of a different type of DNA. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God has caused you to be born again. You're a different person. You're a child of God. How many of my kids are always going to be Johnsons? They look like me. Some of them act like me. And they're they're my kids always. Why? Because my human seed is strong enough to maintain their identity. How many of you know that there is a seed stronger than human seed and it's God's seed? The incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And so the reason that you're right with God is you're His. 
You're His. You're His. Can I get an amen? So that brings a sense of rest into your hearts, right? It says, so for he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works. We've repented from dead works and of faith towards God. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Now, well, wait a minute, Jeremiah. I thought we were supposed to rest. Listen to me. It takes an element of diligence to renew your mind to the fact this is true. How I many you know you're not going to get this on one Sunday morning? You're not going. You, you're going to have to make a decision to conquer this, or you can just watch TV, just watch movies, just watch sports, just nine to five, just eat, sleep, and all these things, and have portions of your life that are still in chaos. And when you die, you'll go to heaven. How many of you know, there were, there were 12 tribes, and there were two tribes that chose not to go into the promised land and to stay on the other side of the Jordan? How many of you know, God still loved them? They were still children of God. They were still children of Israel. They still had promises. But how many of you know, they didn't go, they did not get to occupy the land. And there are many Christians that are, are, are okay with living with strongholds and living with Goliaths in their mind yelling at them. And, and, and God still loves you if you're willing to live like that. God's still a father to you. And when you get to heaven, all your giants will be killed. Because you will know then even as you are known. But it's, it's a tough road to have Goliath running his mouth at you all the time. Like, I would rather kill him and have peace. Then, then live in this place of turmoil. And here's the thing. Here's the cool thing about God. God will not lead you to conquer all the strongholds at once. If you'll notice, the children of Israel, they're, they're basically, the recipe for winning was this. Take the ark, meditate in my word, do what I say. <laughs> Keep relationship with me and take the ark with you and you're going to win. How I many you know, they didn't conquer every city at once. God had a path. See, everybody here, God's got a stronghold in your life that He would like to work with you to conquer. And He's going to conquer that one before He conquers the next one. See, I needed to conquer drug addiction and alcoholism before I conquered pornography. I needed to conquer drug addiction, alcoholism, and pornography before I conquered impatience. See, if you try to do it all at once, you'll get completely overwhelmed. Don't try to just be like, oh, i got to fix everything. No, just chill. Just be a child of God. Enjoy your righteousness. Be who you are. But present yourself to the truth and be like, God, what? where is my growth at? Where is my transformation at? Y'all tracking me here. And God will lead you, right? And so there's a diligence to enter into that, that place of rest. Now, let's turn to uh, Joshua chapter 6, and let's take a look at it. And as you're turning there, I want to give you um, just this law of first mention, the first thing in the Bible that's called holy is rest. And so, coming on the seventh day, God rested and He called it holy. The first thing that was holy was rest. Rest is holy. Rest is powerful. Rest is uncommon. God wants you living in a place of rest. 
How many of you know the ark was the holy of holies? It was the holiest place in the children of Israel. How many of you know behind that curtain was quiet and peace and rest? Right? So the ark is the holiest place. The ark is a place that possesses rest. And the number seven represents Sabbath rest. Represents completeness. Represents holiness. Right? I mean, there's not one detail in the Bible that wasn't put in there on purpose. Seven is a typology of rest, of holiness, right? So, understand that. Seventh day, God rested from all of His works. So now, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, they're about to conquer the first stronghold. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given you Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This shall you do six days. Six represents, six is the number of man. Represents man's strength and man's ability. Six times ain't going to do it. Your strength ain't going to do it. My strength ain't going to do it. You can't change yourself. I can't change me. We can't change nobody. Can't get an amen. It's going to take the Lord, but the Lord is with us. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams, horns, before the ark. But the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. Everybody say rest. See, the way you're going to pull these strongholds down is you being in a place of rest that that's not who you are. Devil's always trying to convince you that's who you are. He tried to tell me I was a drug addict, I was an alcoholic, I was a lustful person, I was an impatient person. All those are lies. None of those things are true. I stand in a position of rest as I conquer my Jericho. Amen? And it shall come to pass, so, but the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass, and they make a long blast of the ram's horn, and when you shall hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. Stronghold coming down. Can you get an amen? And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant. Everybody say, finish work. You better know you're righteous while you're doing this. Because if you don't know you're righteous, then Amy going to kick your butt and try to tell you you're somebody you're not. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Covenant. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city. So, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark. And while the priests continued blowing the trumpets, now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. And so, so he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around at once, and they came to the camp and lodged in the camp. Now, everybody, everybody check this out. Listen to me. It took time for the stronghold to come down. It will take time for strongholds to come down. So don't be hard on yourself as you tear the strongholds down. 
And don't think when you've made a mistake, this is really important that you go back to square one because you don't. Don't think that. Amy always tell you that. Well, look at you. You just got mad. You're all the way back to square one. No, you're not. You just fail. But you're still going around the city with the finished work. You're still going around the stronghold with the finished work. Can I get an amen? Amy's always trying to convince you that you've not made progress. It's a lie. It's not true. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests bearing the seven tr- trumpets of the rams before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the army went down with them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day. Everybody say rest. It came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times. Rest, rest, rest in who you are. Rest in your righteousness. And that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you that stronghold. And it's coming down. Now, what does this look like in a practical sense? And quickly, we got a couple more places and we're going to close because I'm finishing this thing out. I want to empower you. I don't want to just give you a concept that you can't apply. What does this look like in a practical sense? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest and he would not afterwards have spoken of another day, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, knowing that you're right with God apart from your deeds, as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. What type of diligence are we talking about here? Lest anyone fall according to the same example of unbelief. Here's the place that brings you rest. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and body. You know what's going to give you the the victory? The Word. (coughs) The truth. The truth. Attack the stronghold with truth. The truth about who you are. The truth about who you are. The truth about who you are. I'm just trying to convince you about who you are. God's already made you somebody. But but how did Abraham convince himself that he was a father of many nations? He said it. He said it. You have an identity change. You're a righteous child of God. You are love. You have peace and joy and kindness and goodness and meekness and temperance. You are these things. Everybody tracking me here? But we cast off the grave clothes of lies by embracing the truth. The Word of God is alive. That word living, it means it's zeo, it means alive. And the word powerful means full of energy. Full of energy. Let me just say something real quick. I have been reading my Bible regularly more than I have in years. I used to read my Bible in legalism and in competition with other people. Well, I, I got up at five and read. Well, I got up at four. I got up at three. I didn't sleep at all. I stayed up all night. I am holy. I know, right? Legalism turns relationship into garbage. Got it. And that's why you got to get established in righteousness. Because if you don't get established in your identity in Christ, then any form of relationship will turn into legalism, and legalism is death. 
What is legalism? Nutshell. It's you trying to do something to make God do something. I'll say it a different way. You trying to be good enough to control God. There is never a time in your life when you make God move on your behalf. You don't do it with your actions. You don't do it with your giving. You don't do it with your church attendance. You don't do it with your Bible reading. You do not move God. Ever. God has moved 2,000 years ago. And the power station is waiting for you to plug in. And receive everything that He already did. And the Word of God is what brings you to the power station to plug into what He's already did. You're not moving God. God is sitting down. Everybody understand this? So you're never going to do anything to make God do anything. And if you think that you're doing something to make God do something, you're trying to cut a side covenant with God apart from the cross. And it's insulting to the blood of Jesus. And you're going to be really frustrated because you're going to be trying to make God in debt to you by what you do. And God owes you nothing ever. But God will give you everything for free through Jesus. I said for free. No price tag. Hallelujah. Don't let anybody put a price tag on something that God made free. Somebody try to put a price tag on healing or salvation or gifts of the Spirit or any of that, run from those people. They're trying to be a middleman. Jesus tosses those temple tables. Everything for God is, from God is free. Now, it wasn't free in the sense that it didn't require a price to be paid, because it did. It was paid for with the blood of God. But you can't add your money or your deeds to try to get it. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. And so, the Word, I've been reading my Bible out of relationship. And you know what? I'm happier. I'm more patient, I'm kinder, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better minister. Now there are times when I'm reading it, and it's me and God, like, ooh, it's great. And then there are times when I'm reading it, and it's like, <laughs> How many other times when you eat a meal, and it's amazing? And there are times when you're just eating a sandwich, because you know you need to eat a sandwich. So, please understand... Just because you're not hearing bells and whistles and getting tremendous revelation does not mean you're still showing up to place energy inside of yourself. See, the world has an energy on its words. You know what the energy on the world's words are? Fear, doubt, unbelief. If all you're listening to is worldly music and worldly movies and worldly things, don't think it's strange when you're spiritually weak. Don't think it's strange that you don't have peace and joy in all of these things. Why? Because you, you, you're not eating something that's feeding you. Now, entertainment's great. Me and Ethan just watched a movie the other day. It was great. I enjoyed it. I'm not anti-entertainment, but I know I don't get my life from a movie theater. I don't get my life from a sporting event. My life comes from God. And, 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 and it's in His Word that life comes. Y'all tracking me here? And so, I'm just trying to wrap up here. Just give me just a few more minutes to finish this and to give you something that you can use. Um, so, Joshua 1.8. You don't have to turn there. We'll just put it on the screen. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, 
He said, hey, you want to take the land? Keep the Word in you. Think about it. Speak it. Speak it. Meditate on it. Take it in. Why? Because you're going to go through a dark place. See, the darkest place you may go may not be down an alleyway. It might be an alleyway right here. And if you can go into dark places in here, and you can go with the lamp of the light of the Word of God that's a lamp under your feet and a light under your path, and you take that Word like a hammer, and you break the rock in pieces, and you take that Word and you meditate on it, and you say what God says about you over what your family has said about you, over what your friends have said about you, over what your spouse has said about you, over what your anyone has said about you. And you take what God has said about you, and you go into the hallways of your mind, and you remodel it. And you change it. Because he told him, he said, look, you can't conquer this land unless you take my instruction manual and keep it before you. Because you're going to need to have it in you. Why? Because folks, when the Word is in you strong, the giants don't look so big. Your problems don't look so big. Giant over running his mouth and you got all this divine energy in you and you're just like, bring it. I'm ready. I've come here to kill you. <laughs> I've come to slay you. Out of a place of rest. Of rest. Everyone's scared of Goliath but David. David's not scared. He's like, he's uncircumcised. He got no covenant. I'm not afraid. I don't care how big he is. I mean, old David's at peace the whole time. Because <clears throat> here's the thing. If you know God is for you, do you have anything to be afraid of? Nothing. And so, and once again, that's why it's so important to get your heart established in righteousness. Because listen to me, you need to know God is for you on your good days and your bad days. God's not just for you on your good days. If you think God's for you on just on your good days, you're not established in grace and righteousness yet. I don't care how long you've been coming to this church. I don't care how long you've been listening to this message. If you think God's against you on your bad days, you don't got it yet. Be honest with yourself. Amen? So, meditating in the Word, man. Meditating in the Word. All right. In summary, when you're attacking the stronghold that God leads you to, I say God leads you to, God leads you to. Anybody want to take some promised land? Let's do it, bro. Let's do it. Let's take it. Find out what He wants to work on. Right? Find out what He wants to work on. And when you find it, here's the thing, don't feed the stronghold. You guys starve it. Starve it out. If you, if you, if you, you know, I used to struggle with lust and stuff like that. Um, I don't need to be rolling through Instagram looking at everybody that's sexy on there if I'm trying to tear down a stronghold. Right? Come on, can we be honest? You know what I'm saying? Like, can we be real? You know, if someone, if someone is struggling with anger, you need to try to not spend time around angry people. You know? If someone, you know, what you want to do, you want to starve that stronghold out. So don't feed it. Now, what if you do send it a meal? Right? What if you feed it a little bit? What if you scroll through the wrong place? What if you hang out with some angry people? What if you feed it? Keep the ark! You're still righteous! Can I get an Amen! That is key in the process, right? Don't feed the stronghold. Don't let go of the ark in battle. 
Don't let go of the fact that you're the righteousness of God. Conquer the cities one by one as the Lord leads. God led them to, to Jericho, then God led them to Ai, and then God led them and led them and led them, and then finally Caleb said, Hebron's my mountain with all them giants on it. Right? And then maintain the attack. Keep the word coming. I mean, you know, today you've taken ground. You've taken ground today. And, and, and one final thing. Listen to me. You can't take no one else's soul for them. And don't think you can. Because if you start trying to change somebody else and take their soul ground for them, you are going to lose the battles in your own soul. You do not have the ability to change anybody else. You have the ability to change yourself. You have the ability to change yourself with the Lord. But here's the cool thing. As you change, people around you will change. Come on. Come on. How many of you set a standard of leadership? Don't tell your kids not to do something you're doing. Like, it don't work. You can say it all day long, but if you tell your kids not to do something that you're doing, it ain't going to work. How many of leadership primarily is by example? It's not by order or by words. It's by example. How do you do that? We're, we, we take it in ourselves. Amen? All right. So we're going to stop, and we're done, and we're just going to take a moment, and we're going to talk to God. Okay? So let's all just close our eyes, and let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you show every person here what is the stronghold that you want taken down. Lord, also, I thank you for some people. They're still building the ark. They're still getting established. This is an important word. They're still getting established in grace. And it's actually not time to take any cities yet. That's really important right there. Let me stop and teach on that for just a second. It's, if you don't know that you're right with God by faith, it's not time to fight the strongholds. Because what will happen is when you try to change, you'll, what inadvertently will happen to you, you'll start trying to change yourself to make yourself right with God. And if you do that, A, you're going to fail, and B, you're going to bring yourself under condemnation. So I would encourage you, there is an element of building that ark on the inside of you and not changing anything. Can I get an amen? I mean, you know, God loves you while you're in bondage. God loves you while you're still struggling. Can I get an amen? Okay. So, Lord, we thank you for that. I thank you that you empower us by your grace to build that ark. And, Lord, I thank you for those that are ready to go across the Jordan and to take that stronghold. I thank you, Lord, that, that you'd reveal it to them. Spirit of God, we just ask you, show us the areas within ourselves that you want to take ground. And, Lord, I just thank you for it. I thank you, Father, that we are transformed from glory to glory. I thank you, Lord God, we look more and more like Jesus. And I thank you that when we don't look like Jesus, we don't get under condemnation. But we are so thankful that you conquered sin on the cross for us. Lord, we just we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Grant, will you come up here and share with us real quickly? Yeah, please, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely, here.
This, I mean, this is important. So I'm going to share, uh, many of you know that, uh, and you're going to think, why is this something you're talking about? I lost 60 pounds. And I still battle with weight. I still battle with things. And why is that? Because you have to change your mind about stuff. And there are strongholds that I have, we all have, but I have. And so I've been trying to take myself to the next level. In order to do that, I have to work on what are those strongholds. Because those strongholds are affecting my relationship with food. Wow. Come on, because that's how I console myself. Mm. When I have big feelings, I like to eat. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes things of our past can be what those strongholds are built from. Come on. And so the last couple of days I've been reading in this book that's called Faith Inspired Transformation. Hmm. Written by a Christian woman who's in the fitness field. Yeah. And so in step two of that, she talks about this very thing. And so when I came in here this morning, I just kind of like sat down and I'm like, okay, God, I want you to help me with some of this baggage. Hmm. And so he took me to a moment that is a big stronghold of my life. And he showed me that that person that I feel like did me wrong, uh, they were dumb. They were just acting out of place of stupidity. Yeah. And it hurt me. Mm. Their stupidity hurt me. Mm. Now, I never understood why they did what they did, and I've never been able to understand that, and I'll never understand that. Mm -hmm. But what God showed me today is they were acting out of a place of stupidity. They didn't know what they were doing. There were other factors that I didn't know about. Yeah. And it wasn't my job. It's funny how this is confirmation of everything he just said. It was not my job to fix them or to be mad at them or to tell them, I'm angry with you because of how you, what you did to me. Yeah. That's not my place. My place is here. Come on. And to let God help me here. Come on. He will help them but that's not my job. Come on. And so I have to let that go. That's good. And so the other thing that God does is he'll show me things kind of weirdly. Mm -hmm. And so those thoughts that I have about that situation, he showed those to me of how I show them. And, you know, I never thought about it till today, but I visually got to see what that thought looked like. Come on. It looked like a teardrop that was solid white and it runs around in my brain and it has a little face, and it has little legs. And I thought, why is it white? Well, white is, was because it happened to me as a child, but I thought that I had the childhood innocence right to say, you did that to me. Mm. I was a child. How dare you do that to me? Okay. I was a child. Okay. And so, but that was the enemy. That wasn't, that was just so I would stay in that stronghold. Come on, come on, it's good. And that has to be broke. Come on. And so God, you know, 
loved on me, you know, and, and just like during worship time, yeah. just tender. Today's worship was extremely tender. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And I was thanking God, thank you for being so tender Come on. in that moment. Mm. I needed that. Mm. So everything you were just saying, God was showing me. Come on. And so, you know, it was confirmation for me. Wow, come on. Gosh. Thank you. Thank you. My God, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. Anybody else have anything here? Real quick. That's awesome. That's awesome. Powerful things happen when we dismiss the shame. And uh, we dismiss the shame when we talk about it. Because there's no need, there's no reason to be ashamed. Amen. That's good. Grant, will you come on up, man? Please. Don't take a bite of my uh, cupcake, please. <laughs> hey, man, really quick, we're going to take up uh, our offering. Um, but I, I want to share, um, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 9, and uh, really quick, I'm going to begin with verse 6 and 7. And what Angie said there at the end, it kind of sets this up perfectly. Because here's the funny thing, Angie. I was sitting back there, and I was thinking about what I wanted to share. And I thought, how do I say this without it not sounding like I'm beating someone up? Okay. Uh, but, but look here. Uh, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give. Now, I want you to notice something. Give as he purposes in his heart. And um, last week I'd shared on Mark eleven twenty three, and I said that, you know, the three most important words in Mark eleven twenty three are not says, says, and says. The most three important words in Mark eleven twenty three are in his heart. They're also the most important words here. We focus on for God loves a cheerful giver. The most important words here in this verse is in his heart. All right. But here's something I want to say. Let me make this point. Notice, this is the way I used to, to even hear. I think it's the way I've presented it. It does not say the way he feels in his heart. And that's important. Because how many knows this morning, there, well, I mean, I felt pretty good this morning, but there's some Sunday mornings, I don't want to come to church. I don't feel like getting up and preaching. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like... You know, changing another poopy diaper. You know, there, there's sometimes I don't feel like doing those things. But here's what worship is. Worship is not about feeling. See, I grew up in an environment where worship was all about feeling. That's not worship. Now, it's great when worship takes over the feelings, right? But worship is intention. It's me setting the intention of my heart to do something. Um... You know, in our house, we, the, the seasons where we give as we feel led are usually the seasons where we struggle the most financially. But the seasons where we say, we're giving. This is our intention. We're giving. Those are usually the most prosperous seasons of our life. Because how many knows what he's been talking about the last few weeks with strongholds? You, if you wait till you feel like taking down a stronghold, You'll never take it down. You won't. Because in that moment, everything in you feels like this is what I want. It's not about what you feel all the time. It's an intention. I'm tearing this thing down. So with our giving, you know, let's just, because 
an area of great, you know, one of the greatest strongholds in so many people's lives is when it comes to money. And there's so many, and we're not, we're not going to get into that. But I, I've been meditating. I just want to say this really quick. Uh, I've been, what I've been meditating on the last couple of weeks is in Le- the book of Leviticus. You know, there's some gold there in Leviticus, believe it or not. But uh, in the book of Leviticus, there's five offerings that's talked about in the first five chapters. When we talk about the sacrifices and the offerings and the, and, and the law, we just think about these things were for the forgiveness of our sins. Did you know in those five sacrifices, those five offerings, only two are about forgiveness? Only two. And here's something really interesting too. The first three are the, fir- the, the other three are the first three that God mentions in Leviticus. Because, and here's the difference. The, the last two were mandatory. The first three were voluntary. The first three were about one thing, worship. And the word offering that's used there is not about appeasement. It's not about paying God off. It's not about, you know, getting something under, under the carpet. The word used is a, is a Hebrew word called korban, and it means to draw near. So the first three sacrifices they brought, their intention, that's important, their intention. How many knows if they waited until they felt like it? I bet there weren't very many of those offerings being made, right? But because they set their attention to, I want to draw near to God, they brought their offering. And uh, one of the ways, you know, one of the ways you change how you feel about money is to set your intention, and here, this is important, begin to see it as worship. I love what Malcolm did this morning. He stopped me. He said, listen, let's just raise our hands. Let's pray in the spirit. I mean, I, was, I guarantee there were some people in here don't want to do this, don't feel like doing this, don't feel like doing this, don't feel like doing this. But as you did it, something turned on. Something changed. Right, so, so let's get intentional with our giving, you know, in, in all areas of life. Let's get intentional about these strongholds. But this is one of the ways, I mean, <laughs> you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's really what I'm talking about. We, we, when we, because how many knows when the government takes my money, my heart is not there, right? Why? Why? Because they're taking it, right? They're taking it. My wife and I was talking last night, you know, God truly blessed us. She's about to take, man, God just blew our minds with a job she's about to take. I mean, it's so good, and we're still going to be right here. Nothing's changing with us. But uh, anyways, we were talking last night. I was like, how much, how much, how much tax are they going to take out of that? And I was looking it up, and I was mad. I was like, you know, that's a lot of money, you know. And how many knows that's the way a lot of us approach giving? The church is taking my money. No, but when you change your mind and you're like, I am giving this, to, to, to draw near. That, now, I'm not saying as you give, that makes God come closer to you. But when you do it with the intention and in your heart, you're taking that step towards God. He's taking that step towards you. It just becomes worship. Man, that's the way we need to see giving. Amen. Uh, if you need a giving envelope, you can raise your hand. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We bless each and every seed sown. In Jesus' name, amen. Angie. All right, so we don't have too many announcements this time. Um, That cupcake looks awful good there, Jeremiah. (laughs) 
I looked down and I was like, hey, there's a cupcake. <laughs> uh, our next outreach is going to be Monday, July the 17th. Typically, it's the second Monday of the month, but for the 4th of July, you know, uh, so we're going to do it the third weekend of July. So if you want to help out with that, just let us know. It's an, it's an awesome, fun time. Um, we're looking for anyone to help serve, uh, whether it's mowing the grass here at the church, uh, helping with media. We do need some uh, additional helpers in media and uh, with the children's church. And another area I want to talk about, and I'm hoping Dan can help me out with that, is we need some help out in the garden. Dan, can you tell us how we can help in the garden? Do you need help with watering? Who do we have that covered? Uh, Somewhat. Okay, to water it. Okay. How often? Okay. So everything you look out there that's wet has had that rain, that water for all this time. The water bill is going to go. But that's going to help our harvest. That is going to help our harvest. Pray for rain. Pray for rain. There you go. It talks about a watered garden. Look it up in your Bible. The benefit you'll get. So if that's an area, you know, and through the season, there's going to be different needs with the garden. So please reach out to Dan or Paul because they're both very knowledgeable and are big helpers. They're leaders in that area. And just as a reminder, we're having our midweek service Thursday here at 6 o'clock and Logan's preaching. If you've not had that honor, I encourage you to come out and listen to him. He's one of my favorites. I got one more thing to say about the garden. That is... We have companion plants. Yeah, we want to help the monarchs. Amen. Cool. Good. Thank you. All right. Father, I just speak a blessing over your people as they go their way. I think everybody has a great week, great Father's Day. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for your hand of protection and safety in our lives. And we thank you for a wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.